0: open your word we invite the spirit of god to be with us lord to open our eyes our minds our hearts to hear your word and to understand it lord and then mostly to apply it to our lives so that we may live with you eternally in jesus name we pray amen
1: amen amen we're in the book heaven by ellen white and it's chapter eight face to face face to face 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 with christ Christ our Christ our savior yeah, so it's talking about when we get to heaven, things will be different than what we're used to thinking about heaven. It says uh, in the first chapter, it says their minds had formerly dwelt upon heaven as a region of unlimited space, tenanted or lived in by spirits without substance. Uh, have any of you, uh, before you knew the truth, did you think heaven was just a place by inhabited by spirits and? People
2: floating on clouds. No, uh, I didn't think that. I was like, "Ooh, I hope not. That's not boring." You know, I wasn't <laughs> sure. Boring. Well,
3: I, I think I when I when I was was growing up and looked at heaven, I would look at those pictures, and they always had angels just floating around. I was like, "You mean?" The, and in my in my mind, I was like. So when I go to heaven, hey, there's going to be wings on me and I'm just going to fly all day long. I'm like, what else am I going to do besides <laughs> flying?
4: <laughs> just fly all day long, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, people have some different views of heaven. You know, as we study God's word, he doesn't reveal everything to us. So it's understandable that sometimes people have difference of opinions, but there are some things that the Bible says are really are there and some things that's not there, but now that we've studied a little bit about heaven, uh, what does it seem like to you now that you've studied and know a little more than you used to about heaven? What is what do you think is going to be in heaven or what you think is going to be like?
3: Well, you know, I think we're going to be worshiping and, and learning about the things that we had questions for on earth. But I think when God says there's a mansion for us, he's going to have work for us to do. We're not going to be floating around all day and sitting around doing nothing. He has, you know, actual something for us to physically do.
1: Okay. Anyone else? What do you think heaven's going to be like now that you studied a little bit?
5: Well, I think that I have not seen or heard the things that he has prepared for us. So, obviously, it's going to be things that we can see, feel, hear, touch, taste. Um, Because otherwise, you know, if if it's spiritual realm and and that's all it was, well, we can't see, feel, hear, touch, taste that. So, um, yeah.
1: Anybody else? Lakita? you had some.
5: Well,
0: I just think it's going to be like exciting. I think it's going to be like so much stimulation, brightness, and colorful and alive and energy. It's just going to be, to me, I just think it's going to be awesome, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. All we can do is imagine from what God has told us. Uh, Now, he did say when Christ returned after his resurrection and uh, Thomas was there and he didn't believe it was Jesus. What did Jesus telling to do.
0: He said, "Touch me. Oh,
2: He's me. a
1: spirit.
0: Mm-hmm. He his hand into his side. kill me? See? You know? Yeah. He I'm said, him. "Touch
1: me." I'm not a spirit. It's and me. And he ate food. The same one that left. Mm-hmm. What you say, Alvina?
2: Then he ate some food. He ate with me
1: Right. So we're gonna be doing all kind of good things, and it's interesting. uh Once you have studied a little more about heaven, you can't keep believing the old falsehoods. You know, that that people used to tell you Uh, as we grow in Christ and we continue to learn the things that we used to believe, we no longer believe because now God has revealed the truth to us. It says in the next paragraph, uh, now people looked upon heaven as their future home where mansions were being prepared by a loving redeemer. Prayer, I thought this was interesting. Prayer was clothed with a new interest since it was a communion with their savior. Do you often think of that prayer is communion with your Savior, or is prayer just something that you're used to doing and just do it automatically?
2: It's used to commune with our Creator. Shouldn't be mm-hmm. not something pretty to say, not using fanciful for words, but words that actually mean something.
5: Okay, I think sometimes though we use prayer as a uh, as a uh, checklist that we want the Lord to check off. And say lord do this and lord do that and lord please lord jesus and please mm-hmm. you know and uh we don't What's use it that, we don't, well because we don't use it as a dialogue with him because commune communion means to me a dialogue back and forth and not just us telling the lord what we want or what we need or how we feel or whatever when and, and how often do we give the lord a chance to tell us how he feels and what he wants from us
1: right um Prayer is a two-way communication, right? Mm -hmm. If if your friends only talk directly to you, but you didn't get to talk back to them, speak back to them, what kind of relationship would that be? One way. Yeah, Yeah, that's no fun. Nobody wants that. And we by hearing our our friends' opinions and, and their thoughts and feelings as well. So when we pray, like Karen's saying, don't just make it a checklist. Lord, give me this, give me that, and give me the other thing, too. But let the Lord know how much we appreciate him and how much we are grateful for the things that he has done for us and the things that he has not done for us are just as important. So remember, prayer, uh, Sister White writes, prayer is like speaking to a friend. So when we pray, remember that Jesus is our friend and the Father is our friend and we're speaking just like we're talking to each other now. It doesn't have to be big, fancy words. It don't have to be long flowery sentences just talk to God like you talk to one of your friends
3: and you know so uh, Elder Carol also I had to learn that even with prayer God wants to be praised and I'm like I have to you know and I'm working on it I'm putting more praise than ever you know into my prayer life and I said because if like you said if I'm talking to a friend I want to I want to lift my friend up and praise, you know, and giving and giving them some kind of hope. And I'm like, but what God has done for me, there should be praise constantly running through out of my
5: mouth, especially during the time of prayer. Amen. That is so true. I've been thinking about that too. Um, prayer, praise, thanksgiving, you know, to God should should just, I mean, that should just be a given um for us who call ourselves Christians, you know. And I think about how the um the beasts that are around the throne praise him day and night.
1: Yeah.
0: Have anybody thought about confession? Um her name is Coach K or uh, or Angela Powell, she um has an acronym, <laughs> shared an acronym with me is um adoration, um, confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication. And have you ever spent time with confession? That is just really, it's so powerful to just lay before God your faults, the things that you, you know, one by one, just naming the things that you are having difficult problems with overcoming. That's really a um, powerful thing to do. Lakita, what, what did the A stand for? Adoration. Which is praise,
5: yeah.
0: Yeah, adoration
5: um Perfect.
0: confession thanksgiving and then supplication asking for the things you want mm-hmm.
5: yeah yes. i i have i have prayed that in the uh, well actually <laughs> when i'm fasting i do pray that away um and try to pray based on that mm-hmm. prayer model
0: hmm
1: Yeah, now there's a lot of different prayer models out there. I remember one that uses each finger on your hand. It's just reminders, you know, just uh, suggestions and reminders. You don't have to do it a certain way. You just talk to the Lord as the Holy Spirit. But it's good that you have some little mnemonic helps to remind you of things to do. One of the main things we should remember is to thank the Lord. You know, don't just always ask for stuff, but be ye thankful,
4: the but Bible says with prayer and you. supplication. Be thankful. You know, if you if you spend a prayer just thanking him, you'd be on your knees for a while. If you just start <laughs> thinking all kinds a- of stuff. Amen. Amen. Yeah. One,
5: one uh day Andre and I did a prayer thing where we just we just the whole thing was just praising him. And we were so filled. I mean, it was about, I would say about couple of hours because we would we would find a text that dealt with praise and then we would pray over that text Mm -hmm. and it was just an awesome experience
1: that's nice uh we just talked about how jesus himself went to heaven the same jesus the disciples talked with walked with uh listened to went fishing with that's the one that went to heaven and then he says uh, in Second Thessalonians, the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. What's important about that sentence? The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven.
0: He's not sending any angels
5: after us. He's, right, he's coming for us himself.
0: Yeah, you know, he's <sighs> invested in this situation. He wanna make sure everything goes just the way it goes. He wants you, he wants himself. To be seen the first thing that you see when you wake up from death if you know if you're dead and um and if you're alive he wants you to recognize him and see him i've been with you all this time and i just you know it's 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 kind of like you work you work really really hard to put on a, a really big project and then when it's getting
2: ready to kick off you know you, you can't be there it's, <laughs> He did say he was coming again. He was coming. He didn't say my angel coming. He said he was coming.
1: Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. 14:3. Right. That if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again mm-hmm. and receive mm-hmm. you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. So mm-hmm. it is very nice when you're talking to uh, the, if you like, if you go to a seminar or you might go to a, a uh, prayer convention or something they have this same spokesperson and then you go for that reason to see that person and then they don't show up it's kind of disappointing. But we don't have to worry about that with Jesus because he said he himself is going to come back for us.
4: You know what like, that rem- ain't gonna be like go ahead. no that reminds me of a story real quick. I used to do a lot of computer work and I had to go to Kansas City to work on a project. And I was over maybe about four or five different guys. And we were supposed to um, save all the people's data and and their pictures and emails on their computer and then wipe it clean and put a brand new system on. But one lady had a bad experience about maybe six months before that with, with another group of people. And she kept telling everybody, I don't want you all touching anything on my machine. Uh, I've lost stuff before. And so one of the guys came to me and said, Hey, um, Charles, they're not going to, she's not going to let us uh, work on the machine. I said, well, I'll go talk to her myself. So I sat down with her and I told her, I said, look, I understand you have some apprehension about this whole process. You've had some bad experiences, but what if I told you I would take personal responsibility upon all your data, all your email and everything. I will be responsible. I will do it myself. When we get finished, I will sit down with you. We will walk through everything. Would you allow me to do that? Because I'm going to take responsibility for it. And I was able to get her to trust me. I did it without any flaws, without any issues. Uh, When she came back to her desk, everything was great. But it was because I took personal time with her to get her to trust me. When I think about what God, what Jesus has done, he came down himself. He didn't send anybody else. I'm going to go down and rescue my people. I'm going to die for them and I'm going to save them from their sins. And then when it's time to go back and get them, I'm going back again. I'm not sending anybody else. I'm going to do it myself. And so I think it's 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 really important for us to realize that God took a, Jesus took a personal interest in our salvation. Mm-hmm.
1: Amen, amen. Uh, if we go down to the paragraph, Starts, we shall see him as he is. We shall see him as he is. And that's paragraph 69.3. And it points out uh, that when Jesus was here on earth, was he in his full glory or not his full glory?
0: No, he was not his full glory. He was in mortality. You know, this it says uh, this immortality have put on mortality, right? Mm-hmm. So he, uh, he was not in his full glory for sure.
1: Yeah, remember when um Moses asked to see the Lord up on the mountain? And what did the Lord say to him? Moses wanted to see him right face to face, but what yeah.
2: did he say? He, he, can't he, see him him and he, he would have been struck dead. He had seen yeah. his glory. Can't nobody see his glory and live. Right. Not in not in our not in our sinful mortal state, anyway.
1: Yeah, now what's gonna be the difference when we get to heaven? We
5: will be in. We'll be able to see him face to face because now we shall
2: be like him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but when he comes to earth, the wicked gonna be struck. Well, yeah. The righteous will be able
1: to see him. Yeah, so we'll be able to see his undimmed glory in heaven, you know, because uh, he was on earth. He had to dim it. Or like you said, we'd all die from his glory. We couldn't stand it. It says uh, when John in his mortal state beheld the glory of God, he felt like he was dead. He was not able to endure the sight, but when mortals shall put on immortality, the ransomed ones are like Jesus, for they see him as he is. That's very interesting. then it says, they have been partakers with Christ of his suffering, speaking about uh, his faithful. They have been workers together with him in the plan of redemption, and they are partakers with him in the joy of beholding souls saved through their instrumentality to praise God through all eternity. How will you feel when you see people that you worked with in heaven, that you led to Christ? How would you think you'll feel?
5: I think that'd be a wonderful thing. And, you know, it's so funny because we'll get our crowns probably before we'll see the people that we helped get to heaven. And so we'll probably, I don't know, I don't know if the crowns will also have the, if the stars will also have the people's names on them that we helped or not, so that we would know then who, who made it that we had some sort of part in them making it to heaven or not. But um, I, I imagine that we, if that's not the case, we'll be wondering who, who are those stars for?
2: <laughs> when we
5: first get there, you know? Yeah. I also
3: want I also think it's going to be exciting for me to find out how many people picked up a track because I left it or, you know, some kind of literature that I may have left behind and never met those people. And those people say, I picked up a track, thank you. I think I'm just gonna be so overwhelmed. I'll be like, it was God that gave me the ability to go out there and lead them tracks and talk to you with them tracks.
0: I think it's gonna be awesome to see each one of us. You know, we're here, you're here week to week and encouraging each other and um, sharing the gospel and the good news of Jesus with each other, sharing ideas and worshiping God in this way together. So I think when we get to heaven, seeing people that we know whom we've prayed with and spent time and Sabbath time with, that's just going to be awesome right there.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: When we mm-hmm. day, Amen.
1: What a day of rejoicing it'll be, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Down to the paragraph that starts off, Heaven's King. That's uh, paragraph 70.2, Heaven's King. And it points out that when Christ came to earth the first time, He came in lowliness and obscurity and his life was one of suffering and poverty. But at his second coming, all that's gonna be changed, right? Mm -hmm. So he's not gonna come in lowliness and obscurity, uh, but he's gonna be escorted by thousands upon thousands of angels, you know, with the trump of God and the voice of the archangel. And it's gonna be so amazingly beautiful, we won't know what's going on other than that we have studied and we're waiting for him. But sometimes you've seen pictures that people have painted of Christ's second coming, and they're real pretty, you know, as far as paintings go, but it's not going to be anything like the real thing when it really happens. It will just be so amazing. And, and on Jesus' thigh, it says it's written, King of kings and Lord of lords. What is that supposed to mean? We hear that a lot, King of kings and Lord of lords. What does that mean?
5: that all power is given to him in heaven and in earth. And so um, he is the one deserving of our praise, deserving of our loyalty and our worship.
1: Okay. Anybody else want and
5: I, to I, I think
3: in terms of when I see King of Kings and Lord of Lords, I know he's the one. There's no imitation. Satan can't imitate that. that that's the glory given to him. And it's my God that I've been waiting on.
5: Amen. It's a bad thing. It's a and, best and also that there's only one with that name, one with that title, one with Amen. that authority and power. And he's Amen. A, Amen.
0: The best king ever. You can't get one better than him.
1: Yeah, how many different kings have there been on earth? Thousands of them, right? How many lords have there been on earth? Thousands. But it's pointing out that of all the kings, any king... Jesus is king over those. Mm -hmm. And of all the lords everywhere, he's lord over those. So there's only one true God. There's a lot of small kings, a lot of small guys, but there's only one king of the kings and one lord of the lords. And that is Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, Go ahead.
5: Oh, no, I was just going to make a quick comment. That's funny because Mm -hmm. um, the way you put that, because uh sometimes we hear in the Adventist faith oh he's a pastor's pastor you know <laughs> meaning yeah. that you know he, he he ministers to the pastors you know the pastors minister to us but he ministers to the pastor and so uh, I think about what you said he is over all of the others Jesus is over all of the others and um that just made me think about that sometimes how we uh you know we we have those earthly um titles also
3: to some extent yeah Yeah, because you know i i never understood and i guess because i've never been to london that they say lord so-and-so and and, lord this and i was like how do they i guess because of their society is different and i'm like i i just didn't never understood you know the titles lord you know they say lord this and lord that, and i'm like these people i said i guess because like i said it's in london i just don't understand how they got those titles that they put in front of them when they say, Lord, whatever the person's name is.
1: hmm Yeah, it just means the owner. Like, that's where the, the word landlord comes from. He's the owner of the oh. land. Okay. If you look at uh, paragraph 71.2. Hey, oh,
0: Pat, okay. C., Um. Yeah, when they talk about those people over there, then some of it is by birth. Some of it is by marriage, and some, of oh, it, okay. and some of it is by assignment. You know, like if okay. they decide, they're going to do it.
1: Now, here's a good question. We're on uh, 71.2, Destiny Fixed at Second Coming. It says, no literal devil, no literal devil. That's one of the things that people believe, that there is no real devil, that there is no true devil and also uh, people believing that there's probation after Jesus returns, those are some of the false beliefs that people think are true. You know, sometimes you speak, talk to people about the devil, and they say, oh, the devil don't exist. That's just a figment of people's imagination, or you've heard a lot of different religions say, after Christ returns, then we'll start probation to see who else can go to heaven, but those are not in the scriptures. The scripture plainly declares that everyone's destiny is fixed when Christ returns. He says, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. So he's already got the reward, which means he's already decided who's going to be saved and who is not. So there's no second chances. There's no no other probation after Christ returns because all the judging is done and over with. So there's no no more chance after Christ returns. It's a done deal. Uh, but there's a lot of people who think that they can just live any kind of way now. And then when Jesus returns, then they get another chance to live their life right. But that's just false. And a lot of people will be lost because of that falsehood. Any thoughts on
4: that? Uh,
5: I think that is just so true. And the devil has been spreading yeah. all this stuff about uh what is it? The secret rapture and mm. all of that other stuff that says you get another chance. But, you know, we know that the judgment is already determined when he comes back. Now, the, the execution of punishment is, is will still be yet to come. But,
2: you know. Well. It's like this. If people's not ready now or trying to be for real, they're not going to be really ready later, you know? They're going to have that attitude. It's going to be, you know? But that's my right. opinion on that. Yeah.
1: And when you think about, too, sometime you go to a person's funeral and, and they preach the person right into heaven immediately, and then they talk about Jesus coming back, but if He's already taking you to heaven, He don't have to come back because you're already in heaven. If mm-hmm. true, if it was true, He wouldn't need to come back because everybody that's going to heaven has already been there. But that's not in the scriptures; it's not scriptural, and it's our duty as as Christians and servants of God to let people know the truth. You know, when He gives us opportunity, says He gave him. Not only to bear our sins and die as our sacrifice, uh, God gave his only begotten son to the fallen race to assure us of his immutable counsel of peace. God gave his only begotten son to become one of the human family forever to retain his human nature. So when we get to heaven, what are we going to see in Jesus' feet and in his hands? The nail prints from Calvary.
2: He's always gonna have those. Any thoughts on that? I don't like that. He should be having some new skin, like we're gonna get when we get there <laughs> doing the air. But you, you know,
1: know it's like,
3: that's ahead. my thought. Patsy. Oh, I, th- I I lost. I thought I lost contact. Okay, but I, I I like what Alvina was saying because I know a church that. In their pamphlet that they put out there, when God returns, he's going to be beautiful and a new body and stuff. When I read that, I even put a note into the the, the information. I said, that's not correct, because God, we're going to see his scars and stuff when he comes back. So I'm like, there's so much falseness out there. People are not studying the word, but the literature just basically said that he's coming back, you know, as and beautiful and all this. And I thought... If you're studying the word, that's not what the word says.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So God gave Christ not just to live with us and to bear our sins. He actually gave him to the human race. And in Christ, the family of earth and the family of heaven are forever bound together. Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers. He died for us. And that will always be known that he gave his life for humanity. Let's uh, go down to where the paragraph starts. Ransomed host, Christ's chief glory. Ransomed host, Christ's chief glory. That's paragraph 73.2. So Christ's chief glory are those who accept him, those who will be uh, made heirs of heaven. And it says the church, talking about those who follow Christ, the church in Christ's name is to carry to glorious perfection the work which he has commenced. What work did Christ begin when he was on earth? And what is it that we're supposed to continue doing?
5: He commenced the work of saving souls. Mm. And we're supposed to
2: continue doing that.
1: How are we supposed to do that?
2: Witnessing, sharing the gospel, showing yourself Living the gospel first. An example, I would say,
5: yeah. uh-huh. on how to live. Living it and then teaching it. About the, our commission is to teach, baptize, and teach. It is to what? To <laughs> teach, baptize, and teach. That's our commission.
1: Okay. Yeah, so our duty is to carry on Christ's work, and that is to lead others to a recognition Recognition of salvation through His sacrifice, and we can do that in many different ways. It's more than one way to witness to others. But as was mentioned, the first thing is to live a Christian life, uh, and um, and let others see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And it talks again about Christ bearing humanity throughout eternity. It says the palms of His hands bear the marks of the wounds He received. If we are wounded and bruised, if we meet with difficulties that are hard to manage, let's remember how much Christ suffered for us. And let us sit together with our brothers in heavenly place in Christ. Let us bring heaven's blessings into our heart. So sometimes stuff gets tough for us on earth, doesn't it? People don't like us. We have troubles and trials. But when that happens, let us remember how much Christ suffered for us. We never, we could never suffer as much uh, as he did for us. I think Pastor uh, uh, Bernard did a good job of talking about that this morning about Christ's suffering uh, that we might have hope. You know, because if it wasn't for hope, we'd all give up and, you know, throw in the towel. But because we know Jesus promised to come back for us, we have that hope that Christ is soon to return. Uh, it says, Jesus took the nature of humanity in order to reveal to man a pure, unselfish love and teach us how to love one another. Do you think the world is full of pure, unselfish love now? No. Mm. Hmm? No. Why not? No, it was
5: selfish, what Jesus came to reveal. self-righteous, self-indulgent. <laughs>
1: mean. Just plain mean, huh?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. So,
3: so many people waxing cold, they don't even look out for their neighbors anymore.
2: Nope.
1: Yeah, a lot of people still asking, who is my neighbor? So our duty, too, is to reveal that unselfish love to, to one another and to our uh, people that we come in contact with. Is that, that's, is that an easy thing to do?
0: Sometimes. Sometimes it's easy.
1: How is that?
0: Well, sometimes, well, most of the time when you really share your love with people, then you are you get joy out of that. You feel happy about being able to help other people and share with them. I think more times than not, you, you I feel better about being kind to people and sharing love with them.
5: Okay, so I'm going to ask Andre to tell his story. I'm mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> not prepared to do, but <laughs> it's okay. David's story.
1: Andre,
4: I got plenty of stories.
1: David?
5: Mm-hmm.
4: So you know who, um, there's a couple people over at our church, and one lady had just had operation, and so Karen, we went over to visit them, and Karen um, helped the lady, I think she had heart surgery, so Karen helped the lady to take a bath and get in, and get uh, washed up, and so once she finished, she said, okay, Andre, you know, David needs a bath. I said, okay, well, what does that mean for me? I said, "Well, <laughs> you need to you need to help him take a bath." I said, "Help him do what?" Yeah, you can, I helped her take a bath. Now it's your turn to help him. I'm like, "What are you talking about?" I'm so 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 David. I'm not sure how old David was, but David. um well, he was a grown man. He uh, was a grown man, but I think he had he definitely had he had fallen when I think he was eleven. And had some hemorrhaging on the brain. And so the rest of his life, he wasn't really able to take care of himself or do for himself. So Mm -hmm. he actually needed some help. And his nurse that usually comes by every day hadn't been there because of ice and snow, hadn't been there for three or four days. So uh, David really needed to, to take a bath. And so anyway, it was a humbling experience to actually humble myself to be able to go into the bathroom and help David and actually bathe this grown man, but it actually took me to a whole nother level. You have no idea how much you have to humble yourself to be able to help somebody that actually needed the help. And I started thinking to myself, what if I was in that position and I couldn't do for myself, wouldn't I want somebody to help me? And so that's what kind of gave me the strength to, um, to go ahead and, and step outside of myself and do this for someone else that needed it.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, you know, I I felt that same
4: way in the hospital when the nurse had to come in
3: after I had surgery, and she had to wash me. And I told her, I said, I don't like women touching on me. And she said, But I'm a nurse. She said, Do you want to stay dirty? I said, No, ma'am. I said, I just well, I thought I said, I'm just gonna pray about it. I said, but I hate it. But when she got through, I felt like a whole new person. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
3: so, but what?
0: But afterwards, uh, Andre. Didn't you feel that joy knowing that you had done this thing for God, Christ?
4: A joy that I had never felt before. I don't think anything else in my life had ever made me feel that way at all. And uh-huh. since, since then and before then. Amen.
0: And so that's what it is. You know, me initially we feel we recoil, we pull back from some of the tasks that we, um, that we're called to do, but I, In the end, you know, we learned that it's it's full of joy. It's a great thing to, you know, work with people.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm. And um, showing that pure, unselfish love is what Christ did for us. He didn't have to come down here, but he volunteered to come down. And we should show that love to one another and to others. Sometimes it kind of uh, catches you by surprise. I think somebody had mentioned earlier in Sabbath school that, you're not you're not caught, You're not supposed to be retaliating against, against people, but sometimes it hits you before you can think about it. You know, somebody yeah. does something to you, and you just react without thinking. But uh, we have to remember all that Christ went through for us that He didn't have to do, and we want to ex- exemplify that type of love to one another. And I I remember Paul gave us Paul Harris gave a sermon titled uh, It was about that Christianity is inconvenient. You know, it don't always happen the way you want it. You know, it'd be nice if we could be Christianly and kind and share love to our family and friends. But sometimes we're called to share it for share it with people we don't even know or people we don't even like. You know, we don't always have a have it prepared in advance what we're going to have to do for someone. Um, but as a Christian, you have to recognize that and take the opportunity to remind others of what Christ did for the whole human race.
2: Yep. Yeah, we had to come up out of our comfort zone to do something. We're like, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do this because I know this Mm -hmm. is what Jesus would want me to do. So that's what it makes it easier. That's right. And, you know,
3: that's why I have so much respect for those first responders and those nurses, because if they had a patient like me, I you know, they, they too are human. And so, you know, you can just say it's a blessing when they come in just to care for somebody else. You know, even during this pandemic, look at all the, the nurses that came out of retirement saying, if you need me, I'm here.
1: hmm. Amen. There's a lot of people, uh, a lot of people out there showing unselfish love, you know, the first responders, like you mentioned, nurses, doctors, police officers, bus drivers, there's plenty of people out there showing unselfish love, but a lot of times all we see is the negative stuff because that's what sells news, you know, and they always talk about all the crime, but comparatively to all the people that are on the planet, there's more people doing good things than there are doing evil things. Uh, hope,
3: Amen.
1: hopefully that uh, is true and hopefully it gets more you know we know that times will get tougher but keep praying keep doing what God leads you to do so that as many people as possible can be saved will be saved through the grace of God and Jesus he ascended to heaven bearing a sanctified holy humanity took humanity with him into the heavenly courts And he's going to carry that with him throughout all the ages as the one who has redeemed every human being in the city of God. Any human being that makes it in the city of God will be because of Christ's sacrifice, even those who died before him. Because if he didn't uh, come and sacrifice his life for us, no human beings would be there because none of us could uh, fit the requirements of salvation. Without Christ, we have nothing. Uh, Let's look at paragraph Christ's Humanity Pledges God's Faithfulness. Christ's Humanity Pledges God's Faithfulness. That's paragraph 75.2. And this is interesting because it says, we have everything we could ask to inspire us with faith and trust in God. So everything that we need to give us faith and and inspire us with faith and trust in God, God has given it to us. What holds people back from trusting God? He's given us everything we need. What would hold a person back from trusting? Uh, Andre's,
5: Andre's saying they don't know him. So you don't trust somebody you don't know. But also uh, the enemy comes in and he comes in to kill, steal, and destroy. So he's coming in to destroy our relationship with God. Hmm.
1: Anybody else? What prevents people from having trust? He's
3: I think sometimes we want to come to God like they said with a list of this is what I want. And when we don't get what we want, we get selfish and we can see that with, with President Trump but also we don't come to yeah. God with praises we come expecting him to do something when on our time God is not that type of God he may grant it with your prayer and if he, even if he doesn't we ought to stay true to him and that's hard for people that's selfish to understand that if I don't get what I want then God God's not there <laughs> yeah
1: that's true you know Christ died to give us eternal life. That's enough by itself. If he didn't do anything else, you know, but we don't think in those terms, like uh, several of you have said, we look for what have you done for me lately? What can I get out of you while I'm down here on this earth? You know, we want Jesus to move when we ask him. We want him to do it when we say and how we say it. And I remember Andre, you mentioned this, that if God answers your prayers, the way that you want, which one of y'all is really got? If
4: he does everything you ask, that's a good thing to remember. Yeah, because it's almost like he's a genie in the bottle, and you just rub the lamp and mm-hmm. ask for whatever, and you get you get it. Then he becomes the servant of you and your God, and so you just tell him what to do. And his ways are not our ways.
1: That's something.
2: Thought not our thoughts.
4: And ways are higher.
1: Yeah. Let's uh, go down to the last paragraph, talks about a marvel to the universe, a marvel to to the universe, says this is the mystery of godliness, you know, we've read in the scriptures, the mystery of godliness, uh, the verse, and this breaks it down, it says, the mystery of godliness that Christ should take human nature, and by a life of humiliation, elevate man in the scale of moral worth with God that he should carry his adopted nature to the throne of God and there present his children to the father to have conferred upon them an honor exceeding that conferred upon the angels. This is the marvel of the heavenly universe, the mystery into which angels desire to look. This is love that melts the sinner's heart. So the fact that Christ gave up heaven to come down here and take on our fallen nature and live a life of humiliation to raise us up to a level where we can be in heaven with uh, God forever—that's the true love, and that's the type of love that melts sinners' hearts. That's why Christ tells us to just point people to Him. He says, "If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to Me." So many times we get into where we just pushing doctrines on people, or we trying to show them how good we are, but Jesus says, "Just tell them about Me." Tell them about how much I love them. Tell them that I gave my life to save them. And when we do that, then Christ's Holy Spirit will be able to draw that person to, them. Just okay. to Him. Our God. duty I is to live Christ.
5: Absolutely. Yeah. I heard. A, um. I was watching David Asherick this week, and he has an early mm. morning program that he does. And um, <clears throat> he was he 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 was. They were talking about Christ <laughs> about, God, about Jesus. And he said, "You know, uh, Jesus is the only God who took on the form of a human. Mm. All the little gods, uh, he started out as a god and took on the form of a human. All the other little gods started out as humans and took on the form of God."
2: Wow. Mm. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. Any other thoughts? about this chapter, we finished with this
0: chapter. Why well, do I have a comment I wanted to say? Um, the question was, why is it that people don't trust God? There's some really good reasons that people don't trust God. A, when we call him father, some people fathers have been so destructive and disruptive in their lives, you know, mm-hmm. so abusive, that it's hard to envision, you know, a, a kind father. Some people have not had the benefit of understanding or love or being in a loving relationship in their life. They really don't know what love is. And then sometimes people are just so concrete that they can only trust and believe in what they see. Although every day they breathe in air that they don't see, they feel the wind, mm-hmm. see, they talk on cell phones and don't see the wireless connections. Yeah. Yet, you know, they, they are so concrete in their thinking. It's a lot that God has to do to get us you know, to a place where we can see him and trust him and know him as he is, which makes him a great so um makes it so awesome to to love him because he has to work through all that stuff in us uh before we can really, really uh serve him.
3: Mm-hmm. And you know, um, sometime I think too society doesn't make it easy for uh and I do I don't want to just say, you know, people of our color, but when you start to the point where you're not, the kids are not being taught to read. So when they get to the Bible, they're like, I, I can't read very well. So it turns them off. And, and so, you know, and I say society knows what they're doing. Satan has his his ways of making sure. If, and I said, and that's why I used to tell my girls, read to your children because you know, you can't expect the school to do what you should be doing at home. Read to them. Teach them about Christ so that even if they're somewhere, you know, whether, like I said, Donovan wasn't old enough to read. I said, at least when he gets ready to talk, he can say, you know, my mama told me this story about Noah and this is what happened during Noah's time. Of course, you know, he wasn't old enough to read it, but he can remember the story being told from home.
1: Hmm, That's true. Very good. Okay, Karen, uh, where are we going to be at next week?
5: Uh, we will be in chapter 80. I think, wait a minute, hold on one second. <laughs> let me make sure, let me double check that. I think it's chapter 81 actually, but let me double check.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was 80 last week, 87. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um,
5: yeah, chapter, 81, chapter of, uh, 81. Testimonies for the Church, volume one.
1: Talking the about minister's
4: wife.
1: wife. Yes. That's interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Andre, what were you about to say?
4: I was thinking about what Patsy was saying when reading to your children. And the earlier you start, the better it is. Get it in their heads before the devil gets a chance to put all the foolishness in their head. So I think about Karen used to. We used to get up, and of course, I was a little angry about getting up at five or six o'clock in the morning. But I, <laughs> I, I realized that it was a good thing to get the, all the kids up before they even got a chance to start their day. We started them with the Word of God, and that's Patsy. That is so important to read to your children and be their first teacher. Okay. Let's um,
1: close out with prayer and then uh, we can have special prayer afterward. Dear Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for leading us and guiding us. We thank you for giving us just a small glimpse of the glories that you have waiting for us. And we ask and pray that you'll be with us, Lord. Keep us by your almighty keeping power and bless us when you return. That we may reign forever in glory with thee. In Jesus' name, amen.
5: Amen. Thanks for tuning
1: in, everyone online.